Welcome to City Life Church Podcast. Our desire is that all may come to know Christ and fulfill their purpose in life. We welcome you to head over to our website for more information. God bless you and enjoy the message. Hey, thank you guys again for being a part of an amazing worship time with us. And we're just excited to be in God's presence today and rejoicing in who he is. Of course, there's a lot of things that are going on in our world. It seems every week things are changing quickly, especially in our nation. And uh, we're definitely living in perilous times. This is something we've been talking about in the last few weeks. I want to continue in that, but I, I want to take us down an interesting path today. And the actual title that I've given to this message is called, Above All, Choose Love. Above all, choose love. And I'm going to take you through some stories today for us to get a good understanding of Jesus's perspective on this and how he uh, handled this when he was here on earth. You know, the New Testament presents us a very clear picture of Jesus's life, his death, burial, resurrection. It also gives us a clear picture of the miracles that he did, the healings that he did. Also, he dealt with challenging legalism and dealing with social justice and all of those kinds of things, all the barriers that were there during that time. And he was able to, in all of that, obviously conquer death. And uh, he gave us incredible examples of how to live. And so the gospel of God's love through Jesus is very evident to us as we look through his word. And uh, there is freedom for every person, no matter who we are, no matter what we've done, where we come from, that is for us. So I want to talk about that a little bit today. You know, over the years, I've often talked about the command that the Bible gives us to love God and to love people. It's simple, but it's very challenging for us, I think, and especially during times like this, because we could easily pick and choose people that we decide, ah, not thinking I'm going to love that person. But really, we have to examine our heart and look where we're at during these difficult times. And so it is no truer than it is today to love God and to love people. So I will encourage you in that today. You know, I believe that God is in the process of shaking our nation I uh, believe he's coming to the church and he's, he's shaking everything that can be shaken, it seems like. And uh, he's right in the middle of all this. And I've mentioned this before. And I just believe that he's called us in this season, in this time, a Kairos moment for us to be his hands and his feet extended during this time. He gives us great examples in his word. And so we're going to touch on those today. You know, I believe that hatred and anger and all of those things, those emotions, negative emotions have been simmering for a long time uh, in our nation and in our area. But I believe that the, the heat is being turned up on those things. And so we're seeing that come to the surface more in our lives, whether we are believers or unbelievers, but even as Christians, we're seeing evidence of that in our lives. So we need to, to take inventory of that of ourselves, make sure that that burner is not getting turned up for those emotions that are negative in our life. 
you know, I could fill up a lot of time talking about all the negative things that are going on around us. And I, I really don't want to do that today. I really want to focus on the positives and the pluses of Jesus Christ and the examples he set for us where we could be victors in today's life and the season that we're in today and as we move forward in the future, individually and corporately as a church. So I just believe that Jesus is giving us examples of how to do life with those we may not agree with, those that we may have prejudice against or a bias. So all of those things are happening around us, but I believe Jesus jumps on this subject pretty well. You know, the tragedy of sin, we understand this. And from the beginning of man, this came upon us. And in the New Testament, Paul talks about how the woman was deceived by the serpent. But we have to understand that the man made a decision, a clear conscious decision to sin. The Bible doesn't say he was deceived. He processed what the woman told him and he made a choice a willful choice to go into this process of sin that he was entering into and took the both of them into. And so he defied God's order, divine order in the process. And so because of that, we are all sinful people. Because of one man's sin, sin entered into the world and it entered into all of us. And so we see that there's a spiritual deadness that comes in this and not only attacks in the sense of physically we sin, but also there's a spiritual aspect to this. And so it's like a deadly virus that we can get and that there's no cure for. And once it comes on us, then there has to be, uh, there's another answer somewhere. And that's kind of how spiritually we've gotten into this place where Jesus is the only cure for us in this process. And so, you know, the Bible tells us that we all fall short of the glory of God. We all have sinned in Romans 3.23. It tells us that. And so it's very clear. None of us are exempt from that. And so Jesus came to deal with that deadly virus, the sin, and he came to deal with it and deal a death blow to it once and for all. And so from that one person, Jesus Christ, life came, transformation came, and it spread through all creation. It's there available for everyone. Not one person is exempt from that experience that Jesus Christ brought. While Adam was the source of death in that sense, Jesus becomes the source of life for us. And that's so, so important for us to know. For as Adam died in his sin, Christ came alive and made us alive with him. You know, you can look back ever since Cain and Abel, we see hatred, anger, jealousy, these things right in the second generation, this surfaces. So it's existed ever since then, every generation, there's been something that has come in the area of sin that has caused people's emotions and their thought process and it caused them physically to do something that was sinful. And so I want to take us through uh, three stories today of what kind of experience of, of what it was back in Jesus' day and, and kind of how he handled some things when there was a lot of prejudice, there was racism, there was bias, there was those things that are going on around. And so I want to take us into a story. The first one is in Luke chapter 7, uh, starting in verse 36. 
And this is where one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him, which was interesting in itself that he wanted to have dinner with him. And so Jesus went to his house to sit down and eat with him and have conversation. For one, for Jesus to go into a Pharisee's home, and you're thinking, wow, that's kind of a clash in itself right there. Uh, not acceptable by a lot of people. But then there was a, this immoral woman, a prostitute, who finds out that Jesus is there. So she shows up at the house and she comes in and she is caught up in her emotions for Jesus. There's something about Jesus that has caught her attention. There's something uh, that has struck a chord in her heart where she comes in and she kneels down at his feet and she begins to weep. And I just believe that the Holy Spirit probably has come upon her. And there's a lot of things that are emotions that are probably going through her thought process. But there's a connection that's happening. And uh, of course, the, the Pharisee just thinks this is ridiculous and that this woman is coming in here to do this. But she pulls out this alabaster of this special perfume and begins to pour it out on Jesus's feet. And she begins to cry tears and begins to, to wash his feet. And the Pharisee begins to question this whole process. And so Jesus is telling him, hey, I've got something to say to you, sir, about this. When I came in here, you didn't even offer me water to wash my feet. You didn't offer me anything to anoint my, my head or anything. And this poor dear woman has come in and she's cried out her heart and she's come and you didn't offer any emotion to be anything. And here's this one who's this outcast, this one that everybody's pushed aside and she's come and she's drawing from my well, my fresh water that she's there for. And, you know, he goes on to say, I tell you that her sins are many, but, but this is the good part because of her emotions, her attitude and her desire to be with Jesus and understanding that there's something that Jesus has that's become freeing for her. Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. This is such an important story because you've got people who shouldn't be seen together. And, you know, Jesus goes into the situation where people are like, this is crazy. And then this woman comes in and can you imagine this neighbors peeking in the window where anything's like, what in the world, what's Jesus doing with a prostitute? All of these things. And there's, so there can be a lot of things stirred up in this process, but Jesus was focused on the need focused on the need, not on whether this was politically correct or anything like that, or wasn't concerned about prejudice or, or bias or anything of that nature. So he tells the woman, woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. I so like this story. And it's such a great story for us. There's a, a, another story I, I want to touch on in John chapter four, starting in verse three. This is where Jesus, he left Judea and returns to Galilee and so he goes through Samaria on the way and he comes to a Samaritan village and uh, near the field of Jacob where Jacob gave to his son Joseph. So Jacob's well was there. And so Jesus came and uh, he, after a long walk and he was weary and he sat by this well. And uh, pretty soon this Samaritan woman, she comes to draw water at the well. And so here again, we have an interesting situation because you have Jesus who's there and, and all likelihood by himself, his disciples went to get some food 
And he begins to strike up a conversation with the Samaritan woman. Now, in those days, again, it was politically incorrect for him to do this, especially with the Samaritan woman. And so he asks her, please give me a drink. And she's like, well, there's no bucket here. This well is deep. We don't have anything to get water with. And, uh, and so Jesus begins to have a conversation with her about living water is really what he was after, wanted to get living water, not for himself necessarily, it was for her. And she didn't understand that principle, understand what that was about. And so he begins to talk to her and talks to her about just this gift that he wants to give her of this fresh living water, who is Jesus, who would come into her life and would come and transform her life in the process that would give eternal life for her. So she's asking, obviously, give me this water. I want this water. Then in the process, Jesus says, go and get your husband. And uh, she says, well, I don't have a husband. Well, Jesus obviously knew this. He was working this situation with her. And he says, I know you, you don't have a husband. You've had five husbands. And the man you're with right now, who you're living with, you're not married to him. And she's like, wow, you must be a prophet. And uh, so it was interesting how she begins to ask questions. And what ends up happening is that Jesus starts talking about true worship and true worshipers. The the father's looking for those who worship in spirit and truth and so forth. And so she goes on to say, well, hey, I know the Messiah is coming someday. And she doesn't realize she's talking to the Messiah. She's she's talking to Jesus. And he reveals that to her that says that he's telling her, I am the Messiah. And that begins to change things in that moment. Well, the disciples come back and they are like, thinking to themselves, what in the world is Jesus doing with this woman? And But they didn't want to say anything. They didn't want to ask him because, you know, they've probably been down this road before. It's like Jesus always is able to tell them exactly what's going on and has reasons for it. But they're still, they're going, man, this is stepping over the line for Jesus. Can't believe this. But understanding he's breaking whatever the political correctness, he's going after the heart here. There's a love that it goes so deep. His love for this woman is a love that it's not even explainable in the sense of trying to put that on a level of what physical love is and what we understand it to be. Because he had such a love, love for his father, but that love was transferred to people, every person he ever encountered. And so that was his heart to get them to reach their heart so they could be transformed. So she went back to the village and began to talk to other people and say, hey, you're not going to believe I met this guy and, you know, he, he's the Messiah. And so then a bunch of people start coming and, you know, that's just how Jesus does things. And he's not there to try to draw attention to him, but to his father. And so that's uh, just another incredible story of that above all, choose love above all, above all of the things, the circumstances around us, the people that may be speaking negatively, the people that we don't agree with, the people who are doing bad things and, and uh, maybe those who are out riding and all those, because we have negative things to say, but the Bible says we're to love our enemies or, or to love all, all those around us. Doesn't mean we agree with them. Doesn't mean we we participate in things with them. But there's a love that God puts in us for people, and that's the main thing. We love God and we love people. So above all, choose love.
you know, we're not obviously not seeing that love demonstrated around us on TV and in different larger cities or cities, even Olympia, where the, the different looting and the rioting and that there's no love there. We see the hatred, the anger, all of the things that are going on there. Greed is another one um, that we see pop up in this whole process. I want to read a portion of scripture here in Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 9. And it says this, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good, love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope, be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them, always eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. Verse 17, this is important. Never pay back evil with more evil. That's not what it's about for us. It's not trying to one-up somebody in that area. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Above all, choose love. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. You know, that's the good thing about God is he fights our battles for us. And we need to allow him to do that. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. The last story I want to give us is a story that Jesus tells about a Jewish man who is traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho. And again, this is a Jewish man, and, and this plays out where, again, we have really a situation where there is bias, there's prejudice, there's racism, there are things going on here. But we see how this plays out, how Jesus tells this story and how it's so helpful to us in this process. And so... What happened was, is this, this Jewish man was just walking along the road and he was attacked by a bunch of bandits. They just beat the tar out of him, stole his stuff and just left him there for dead. And so uh, just by chance, uh, a priest came by and you're thinking, oh, this is the perfect person to come and help me. A priest is coming. He sees him, but he crosses over the other side of the road to ignore him, to not help him because whatever the thought process in his life, or I'm too busy, I got to go do this, or this is not somebody that, that I can really connect to, or I, I don't like this person, whatever that situation is. But he passed him by. Then another a person, it was an assistant in the temple, came walking by and came by and looked at him, saw him there. He also passed the other side of the street and kept on going didn't help this man who was laying there wounded and hurt and crying out for help. Then it's interesting. Then a despised Samaritan, 
a Samaritan, which Samaritans and Jews did not get along. They didn't see eye to eye. There was racial tension between them. And here is this Samaritan person that came along. And when he saw this man, he felt compassion for him. It was compassion that came out of him. You know, I believe that compassion came because he predetermined in his heart that he was choosing love. And out of love comes compassion for each and every one of us. And so he goes over to him and he begins to soothe his wounds. He begins to help him. He bandages him up. He cleans him up. And he ends up taking him to a hotel, or a, so to speak, a place where he could get some help. And he leaves some money, a couple of coins for him and said, hey, whatever it takes, you know, make sure he gets the help he needs. And if there's anything else, it's on my bill. Put it on my tab. I want to cover this. I want to make sure this man gets his health back and comes back to where he can become whole again. And so, you know, Jesus then asked the question, which one of these men did the right thing? Which one of them really cared after the these bandits attacked this man? And of course, it, it's easy to come up with the answer. It was the one who showed him mercy, uh, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said, then go and do the same. And he's tell, that's what he's telling us at this point where we're at in our season, in our life. We need to have compassion for people. We need to have mercy for people. We need to show love. We need to, above all, choose love in this situation. And I think this is important. And so as I conclude today, I just want to encourage us, let, let us be those people who will re- represent Jesus well we know is in his word what he gives us instruction. He gives us examples and he lived this life. He knew he's been through all of it. He had every reason to be the one that say, no, I'm staying away from that. I've been falsely accused in so many things and I, I don't want to go over there. I don't want to get caught up in that. I just want to stay to myself. But no, he crossed all barriers. He broke down walls. He did everything against whatever was supposed to be correct at that time to demonstrate the love of God, the love of his father to demonstrate that. And he went deep in the hearts of people and they could see that genuinely he loved and cared for them and had compassion for them. So in the midst of turmoil in our nation, we need to be those people that above all, we choose love. Amen. God bless you and have a great week. And uh, we just, we're praying for you. We're praying for our city, our, our county, our state, our nation. There's just a lot of things going on. And, uh, you know, we need to see God break through this. I just believe there's a breakthrough coming. I believe, as I said before, the greatest harvest is on the way. The, the most powerful move of God is on the way. And we want to be right in the middle of it here at City Life Church. So we love you guys and look forward to fellowshipping in the near future. Thank you for listening to City Life Church Podcast. 